Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue. We appreciate you listening every week at this same time to Bible Crossfire. I was looking at a passage, 2 Chronicles chapter 15, verse 2. This is in the Old Testament. Here's the second half of that verse, 2 Chronicles 15, 2. It says, The Lord is with you while ye be with him. And if ye seek him, he will be found of you. But if ye forsake him, he will forsake you. I think a, pe- a lot of people who claim to be Christians, who claim to be believers, don't realize that if they forsake the Lord, God, he will forsake them. It says the Lord is with you while you be with him. As long as you're tr- trusting and obeying God, he will be with you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. That's just the facts of the case. Uh, <clears throat> uh if you have a Bible question or comment, the number to call is 877-655-6755. 877-655-6755. There's a verse in the New Testament like that. Second Peter chap, Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 12 it says, "If we suffer, we shall reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us." So if we forsake God, he'll forsake us. If we deny him, he will deny us shows them that we have to love God God with all our heart, soul, and mind and serve Him faithfully. Uh, If you want to be saved by the blood of Christ, it's a conditional salvation. It's conditioned upon your trust and obedience. Trust and obedience. We see that in a passage like 2 Thessalonians 1, verse 8. It says, In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this is talking about God taking vengeance on people with fire, flaming fire. That would be everlasting punishment, H-E-L-L. And it says the way, what you have to do to avoid that is to know God, meaning believe in him, trust in him, and obey the gospel. So it takes knowing God and obeying the gospel, trust and obedience. Jesus died for everybody. So that anybody that wants to can be forgiven. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 3.16. But only those who trust and obey will receive the benefits of the death of Christ. Are you trusting and obeying Christ? What I thought we'd do while we're waiting on our first call is talk about some highlighted principles from the New Testament. Some principles we want to emphasize tonight are first, it matters what we believe in religion. Matthew fifteen fourteen says, let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. Jesus is teaching by analogy here. He does that all the time. Parables are just analogies. You have a, if you have two men, for example, walking through a pasture and say they're both blind. They come up on a ditch. Likely they're both going to fall in. You need one of them to be able to see. Say, hey, let's go around the ditch. The blind leader here represents the false religious teacher. The blind follower here represents us if we allow that false religious teacher to lead us astray. The ditch represents being lost, the bad place. So don't think, well, as long as I'm following my pastor, I'm going to be okay. He'll be held accountable for what he teaches, but I have to follow him. No, if you allow him to lead you astray, if you he convinces you of false teaching and you follow that, you're going to end up in the ditch being lost just like him. I mean, I didn't make this up. It's what Jesus said. If the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. So it really matters what we believe in religion. We can't just say, as long as I'm sincere, I can believe anything. 
No, two plus two does not equal four and five at the same time. It's got to be one or the other. Not only that, not only does it matter what we believe in religion, it matters what we teach. In that same chapter, Matthew 15, verse 9, Jesus said, But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. They should have been teaching the commandments of who? God, of course. But because they were teaching the commandments of men, these religious leaders, it says their worship would be in vain, useless or worthless. One of the reasons we worship God is because we want to be saved. We want to spend eternity with him in heaven. But if our worship is useless or worthless, is not accomplishing the intended purpose, of course, we're not going to be saved. And that can be caused by teaching the doctrines of men. So it matters what we teach. It matters what we believe. It matters what we teach. These verses show that our eternal destiny depends upon it. You say, Pat, aren't we saved by the blood of Christ? We are. But it's conditioned upon our trust and obedience, as we've also shown, already shown. Now, if you have a Bible question or comment, the number to call if you'd like to get on the air is 877-655-6755. The number to call if you have a Bible question or comment is 877-655-6755. Another principle I would like to look at is that belief by itself is not good enough. The reason I bring that up is because we have all kinds of preachers out there saying, you're saved by faith only. You're saved at the point of faith. All you got to do is accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and you'll be saved. They're teaching that belief by itself is good enough. But we read about some believers in John 12 that clearly weren't saved. John 12, 42 and 43 reads this way. Nevertheless, among the chief rulers, also many believed on him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him lest they should be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Some believers, but they weren't willing to follow through on their belief. Obviously, they weren't saved. They weren't willing to confess Christ. Christ says if you're not willing to confess him, he won't confess you, Matthew 10, 32. Point number four, and we may talk about this more later. Obedience is also necessary to salvation. Belief is not good enough all by itself. Obedience is also Necessary to salvation. Hebrews 5, 9 reads this way. In being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. So Jesus is the author or the source of our eternal salvation. But only to them that obey him. Meaning if you obey Christ, you'll receive the eternal salvation provided for by the source. Jesus Christ. But if you don't obey Christ... You won't receive the eternal salvation provided for by the death of Christ. Yeah. And the fact that we have to obey him to receive this eternal salvation, that's made clear by this verse, but it doesn't make us the source of our eternal salvation. That's what a lot of people think. Well, if you have to obey God, that would make you the source of your eternal salvation. You'd be earning your salvation. No, this verse makes that, that false argument clearly wrong. Here it shows that you do have to obey Christ to be saved, but that does not make you the source of your salvation. Jesus is the author or the source of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. If you don't obey him, you won't receive salvation provided for, provided by the source. And when you do obey him, you will receive such salvation, but it doesn't make you the source. Jesus is the source. He's the one that died on the cross so that we could be forgiven. But he only forgives those who trust and obey as we proved earlier from 2 Thessalonians 1, chapter 1, verse 8. So, 
trust and obedience is required. Let me read 2 Thessalonians 1, 8 again. He says, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So if you want to avoid the bad place, if you want to avoid this flaming fire, you have to know God, believe in, trust in him. And not only that, it says you have to obey the gospel, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. It takes trust and obedience, not just belief. Belief by itself is not good enough. It takes obedience also. You have to follow through on your belief. That was the problem with those guys in John 12, 42 and 43. They believed in Jesus. The text says they did, but they weren't willing to follow through on him. They weren't willing to confess him. They weren't willing to obey him. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. The number to call if you have a Bible question or comment, get on the air. 877-655-6755. So trust and obedience is required, and this includes baptism. Mark 16, 16, Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be condemned. According to Jesus, it takes two things to be saved. It only takes one thing to be lost. If you're an unbeliever, you're going to be lost. It wouldn't make any sense to get baptized then. A person who doesn't believe he can't scripturally be baptized anyway. <clears throat> it only takes one thing to be lost, unbelief. It takes two things, according to Jesus, to be saved. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So people that say all you got to do is believe to be saved, well, they're just flat out wrong. They say, well, John, doesn't John 3.16 say all you got to do is believe? No, it does teach you have to believe to be saved, but it doesn't say this is all you have to do. Mark 16.16, 16, he that believeth and is baptized, shall be saved. It's just what we've been talking about. It takes both belief and obedience, obedience to the command to be baptized. It takes both trust and obedience to be saved. Got a question or comment about that? Call us at 877-655-6755. Next point. Baptism has to be done for the remission of sins. A lot of people overlook that fact, but that's required. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Here's how that verse reads. Then Peter said unto them, and he's talking to some believers, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. What did Peter tell these believers? Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So not only... Do you have to repent and be baptized to get the remission or forgiveness of sins based upon the death of Christ and receive the Holy Ghost? It's actually telling you that the reason that you need to be baptized, you need to be baptized for the remission of sins. Meaning if you thought you were saved from your sins before you got baptized, then you weren't really getting baptized for the remission of sins, were you? But that's what that verse requires. It requires you to do it for that reason. Now, we don't want to... Somebody to think, well, that means all you got to do to be saved is be baptized. No, no. Baptism involves a commitment because this idea that once saved, always saved is false. Notice he didn't just say be baptized for the remission of sins. He said repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. That repentance is you committing when you're baptized to quit serving sin and to start serving righteousness. And after you're baptized, God expects you to follow through on that commitment. Once saved, always saved is not true. 
You're not going to say, well, I've been baptized, therefore there's no way I can lose my salvation. Let me read 2 Peter 2, 20-22 to prove that point. Prove the point that once saved, always saved is false. And therefore, after a person becomes a Christian, after he believes and is baptized, to get the remission of sins, he needs to live a faithful life. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. Revelation 2.10. Here's 2 Peter 2, 20-22. It says, For if, after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they're again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse to them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb. The dog is turned to his own vomit again and the sow that was washed to her wallering in the mire. So here we have a person that's escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of Christ. We're not talking about smog here. The footnote says sins. The newer translations say defilements. They've escaped the sins or defilements of the world through the knowledge of Christ. That can only be a Christian. Only a Christian has escaped sin through the knowledge of Christ. But it says if they've done that and they are again entangled therein, that is in the sins of the world, and overcome, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. In other words, it had been better for them never to have become a Christian than to become a Christian and after they became a Christian to turn from it, to not follow through on that commitment to quit serving sin and start serving righteousness. And if you're lost before you become a Christian, then if you're worse off, if you become a Christian and then turn away from God, then if you never become a Christian to begin with, obviously you'd also be lost. He, he says, for it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness that after they have known it, to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them, but it's happened to them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. I like that analogy. It's kind of funny. You, you, you wash a pig, you better pin him up and keep him out of the mud because if you, if you wash a pig and just let him go free, he's just going to go right back to the mud and you've wasted your time. That pig represents us. We're a pig. We get washed of our sins. But if we go right back into the mud, we're worse off and we never become a Christian to begin with. We're lost. Once saved, always saved is false. That's why when you become a Christian, you're making a commitment to quit serving sin, to start serving righteousness. We see that in Romans chapter 6. And God expects you to follow through on that commitment. If you have a Bible question or comment, why don't you give us a call at 877-655-6755. The number to call if you have a Bible question or comment is 877-655-6755. And so what we've seen is that it, so far it matters what we believe in religion. It matters what we teach. Belief by itself is not good enough. Obedience is also required, and that obedience includes baptism. Baptism needs to be done for the remission of sins, according to Acts 2.38. That's the reason. And baptism involves a commitment. Once saved, always saved is false. God expects us to follow through on that commitment. We'll get back to this, a few of these points in a minute, but let's try to take this call. Well, got it just a little bit too late, I guess. Next point. We need to worship with a congregation that is faithfully following God's word. Let me read 2 John 9-11. through Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, 
receive him not into your house, neither bid him God's speed, for he that biddeth him God's speed is partaker of his evil deeds. Let's talk about verse 9 to start with there. It says, if you don't abide in the doctrine, the teaching of Christ, you don't have God. You can't be saved if you don't have God. The only way we can be saved is through the grace and mercy of God. So you have to abide in the doctrine, the teaching of Christ, to have God to be saved. Well, that's what we've been talking about. But it goes on to say, if somebody else is not abiding in the teaching of Christ, suppose it's not me, but somebody else, I don't want to bid them Godspeed. I don't want to help them sin or encourage them in their sin because then I become a partaker in their evil deeds. I become an accomplice to their sin. That's why I say it matters uh, what what church you go to. You need to worship. We need to worship with the congregation that's faithfully following God's word because if they're not, and we just go along with it, if they're not abiding in the teaching of Christ, let's say they allow gay marriage or women preachers or sprinkle babies for baptism, and we worship in that congregation and just go along with it, then we become a partaker in their evil deeds. So we need to worship the congregation that's faithfully following God's word. Robert from New Jersey, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yes, I'm calling um, about the correct mode of baptism. I've, I've, um, I've been in churches where they said the correct, according to Acts 2.38, where it says baptize in the name of Jesus Christ, and then I've um, I've been in churches where they baptize in titles in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, I was uh, I was also heard that, uh, that scripture in Matthew when it says to baptize in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit that that had been changed from uh, I'm not sure what it said be prior to that, but I'm, I'm just want to um, make sure um, what your understanding of and what your uh, belief on what is the correct mode of being baptized? The correct mode of being baptized is immersion, not sprinkling. Romans six four says that well, we are yeah, buried yeah, with him by yeah, baptism. I, I, so as far as what the I preacher says, okay, Robert, I'm going to answer. Love you. I'm going to answer your question. As far as what the preacher okay. said, the Bible never reveals what the baptizer is supposed to say or what any bapt. Any time we have an example of a baptism, it never tells us what the baptizer said. When Acts 2.38 says, baptize in the name of Jesus Christ, it's not telling anybody what to say. It's telling them what to do, to baptize by the authority of Christ. And that's and the way we know that for sure is because Matthew 28.19, which says to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. By the way, that's never been changed. That's, that's, that's a correct scripture. That would contradict Acts 2.38 if these verses were telling the preacher what to say. Because one verse would right. say, the preacher should say, baptize saying these words, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Then Acts 2.38 would say, baptize saying these words, name of Jesus Christ. There would be a contradiction. So what's going on here is neither passage is telling the baptizer what to say. It's telling the baptizer what to do. Just like Colossians 3.17 says, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. It doesn't mean everything right. that we do, we have to say these certain words, it means to do it by the authority of Christ. Okay, go ahead, Robert. Thanks for letting me finish out the answer to that question. Go ahead, Robert. Yeah, you no, got a follow-up? That, that was that was what. Well, that was that was because uh, like you were saying, it was I was being conflicted because I read what it said in Matthew, and then I read what it said in um, Acts two thirty-eight, and one scripture. So, if Peter is saying baptized in the name of Jesus. But out of the mouth of Jesus, he's saying, go in all the nations, baptizing in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So, like you said, it, it, it contradicts one another. So, um, if, that, that's where I was, if, I was, yeah. 
That's right, Robert. If it were telling the baptizer what to say, it would contradict one another. But if it's telling them what to do, meaning you should do it by the authority of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, or you should do it by the authority of Christ, then there's no contradiction whatsoever. You see that, Robert? Okay, so it, it basically they're not telling you what to say is by what authority. Exactly. That's exactly what it's saying, by what authority. Just like everybody believes that about Colossians 3.17, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Everybody understands that means do it by his authority. That it's not telling us to say any particular words when we're doing something. Robert, appreciate your call, okay? Thank okay, you. Thank that you. good question. All right? All right. God bless We were talking about um, a congregation worshiping with a faithful congregation. Uh, for example, well, I got another call, so let's go ahead and take this call while we got it. I usually try to give the callers priority. Junior from Canada, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Hi, um, my question is why, in one passage it says, in the name of Jesus, and the other passage it says, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, why is it not as it is in one passage? Like, why is it not exactly the same? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and the other passage should be, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. As I, just as I just explained, Junior, those are the same thing if you understand that in both cases, he's telling us what to do. He's not telling the baptizer what to say. So when he says to baptize in the name of Jesus, and when he says to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, he's saying do it by the authority of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Do it by the authority of Christ. And that's exactly the same thing. There is no contradiction. So we were talking about congregations that are not following God's word. Well, let's take this other call. Kenneth, go ahead with your Bible question yeah. or comment, please. I just have a comment. I always wondered about the, uh, the scripture in Genesis that when Rahab was despised, when the spies yep. left, so they, they came in there and they asked her, no, had the spies been there, no, and she had told the lie. So I always wondered, though, if you know, God could condone her telling the lie or not. You know, I was concerned about no. that. No, no. He did not condone the lie that Rahab told, but he did con condone, he did compliment her faith, uh, her right. faith and her works. Uh, James 2.25, okay. likewise also was not Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. So she right. showed faith in God and that led to action and she was complimented for that. But her lie was not complimented, okay? Okay, yeah, I was wondering about that. So, yeah, okay. Thank you, Kenneth. Okay, all right, thank you. Well, you go ahead. If you got a follow-up, go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, no, I was going to say, though, that you listen though, to tell people, though, that, you know, uh, lying is still wrong. Cause, yeah, um, I, lying I is wrong. The Bible talks about that there's a lot of things that, that God don't like. I think it's, it says seven things he don't like. I think lying, a lying tongue is one of those um, things. Right, that he you're exactly right. And right. so you know right. for sure he's yeah. not condoning Rahab's lie, but right. he's condoning her faith and the action she, she her actions based upon that faith. Okay. Okay. All right. That's what uh, he's complimenting. Uh -huh. I right, thank you, Kenneth. We were talking about how you need to worship with a congregation that's that's following God's word. And, and for example, a congregation is not following God's word if they allow gay marriage. For example, I'm turning to Romans one. 
And I'm going to read 26 and 27. For it says, For this cause God then gave them up to the vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burning their lusts one toward another, men with men, that which is unseemly, receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. Or you, you shouldn't worship with a congregation that allows adulterous marriages. Jesus said in Matthew 19, 9, whoever puts away their wife except it be for fornication and marries another commits adultery. Or a congregation that allows women preachers. 1 Corinthians 14 says, let your women keep silence in the churches for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home for it's a shame for women to speak in the church. So you, sh you need to follow God's teachings you don't need to worship with a congregation that's allowing gay marriages or adulterous marriages or women preachers. We're going to have to go off the air. If you'd like to have a free one-hour phone Bible study with me at your convenience, call or text me at 256-682-9753. Free one-hour phone Bible study at your convenience. Call or text me, 256-682-9753. Thanks for listening tonight. Be sure to listen next week at the same time.